So I believe strongly in the human capacity of being able to find that inner strength in yourself to really like, you know, find it, grasp it, let it be with you and and let it guide you throughout any journey you have in life. And look at the challenge, not just for how big it is or how horrific it is or anything, but look at it from, hey, this happened in my life. It's horrible. It sucks. And I hate it. And, you know, it's not fair and all these things and grieve for it, but also look at it, take it and put it down into pieces and find your way of handling it step by step, goal by goal, and you'll be able to overcome even that challenge. I'm Lucy Caldwell, and welcome to Life Revealed, featuring deeply personal conversations that help us tune in to what matters most. Together, we will forge new paradigms for how we think about ourselves, our lives, and the society we want to create. Today, I'm excited to share with you one of the most extraordinary stories of survival and resilience I've ever heard. I had the honor of sitting down with Adiba Barney to learn about her life, her lessons of resilience, and her ability to persevere in the face of unfathomable adversity time and again. Adiba is an advisor and angel investor and is living with stage four metastatic breast cancer. She's lived a truly remarkable life and has powerful wisdom to share with us on how to live and thrive despite the adversity life brings our way. She's writing a book entitled, When Life Gives You Cactuses, Make Margaritas, which we discussed in this intimate interview recorded in her home in San Francisco. Adiba, to me, is truly a living superhero, and she's a beacon of wisdom and strength with so many life lessons to share with us. In this interview, we covered her strategies for facing adversity, incorporating community support in times of tragedy through remarkably innovative approaches learning to face hard truths and grieve loss, empowering ourselves through empowering others, aligning our lives to deep purpose, and facing death anxiety. She is truly a treasure trove of insight. Adiba was born in Beirut during the war, and her entrance into the world involved a taxi ride through war-torn streets for an emergency C-section. Her early years were marked by living in shelters, often in underground bunkers to avoid bombing, and her mother fled the country with Adiba and her siblings to Sweden, leaving everything but what they could carry on their backs. In Sweden, Adiba and her family, through their incredibly hard work, built a business and eventually a new life, using the very same skills she had seen role-modeled by her parents to rise to higher ground She bucked the gender-constrained cultural norms of her Lebanese family and went to college, paving the way for her sisters to follow. Then she rose through the career ladder, married, and was in all dimensions thriving and ready to begin a family when she got hit with the devastating news that she had breast cancer in her mid-20s. As she fought back against the cancer, she also experienced the heartbreak of her marriage falling apart. 
but Adiba rose again and followed her dream to work as a business leader in America. Adiba's story is one of never giving up hope, even as her cancer came back and metastasized to her spine. She's continued to fight for her life, to defy the medical odds, and is soon to fulfill her lifelong dream of motherhood via a surrogate pregnancy. I was awestruck by Adiba's courage and grace, and I'm honored to be sharing her story with you here on Life Revealed. I think the tools that I got at a young age, both from being, you know, a, a child of war, being a refugee to a new country, mm-hmm. going through all these cultural mm-hmm. you know, challenges with my parents and with the whole society, yeah. fighting for my independence, all of that gave me tools. Mm-hmm. And in those tools were obviously strength, inner strength, and how you handle things. Mm was one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, resilience. Mm-hmm. I will come back to, I mean, resilience is a key word. In yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. What is resilience to you? Resilience is to be able to, you know, take on any of these challenges without mm-hmm. losing yourself mm. and be able to keep going, keep mm-hmm. going, keep going and, and lift yourself mm-hmm. up, lift yourself up. And is it the thoughts in your mind that you keep focusing on a positive frame that's part of that? Or? Absolutely. So okay. for me, it's been a way of, I used it very systematically too. Like I would say, okay, so look at the problem, look at the challenge. What is it really? And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of narrow it down to what is it really? Mm-hmm. And then when you look at it that way, how do you pick out those parts in it? Take those parts and say, okay, so how do I face these different challenges within this mm. bigger so challenge? breaking it down as opposed to what I think a lot of times we tend to do when we're really afraid or get really bad news is, I know for myself, sometimes I can go into a, like a fear retrenchment where exactly. I blow it up to its worst possible potential outcome. And then I start living the negative grief and pain associated with that. So you're saying zoom the other direction. Yeah, exactly. Like make it as small as possible and chunk it into little pieces as possible. That's really a powerful tool. Right. And and with that, you have something. So goals for me are really important to have been throughout my career, have been throughout my personal life. So when you take these different pieces and you say, okay, so for each piece, what is the goal to overcome this? And then you set those goals. And are these incremental goals or uh, far-reaching visionary no, goals? No, they, they can be incremental. They can mm-hmm. be very like down to practical things. Well, that that, that might be part of the secret to why they're right. that why they work. Because exactly. sometimes if we set the goal, I want to be a billionaire or something mm-hmm. like that, and then you're you're not making progress toward being a billionaire, then you feel this enormous gap or whatever the thing is that people do sometimes with the really big goals. So you're exactly. saying concrete, definable, achievable yeah. goals. And, and mm-hmm. measurable. Measurable, sometimes. yeah. Do so you actually would, write it down? In my head, kind of, you know, yeah. I would have them there and I would say, okay, so I'm losing my hair. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. that's one big thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm going to lose my hair. So what do I do? Okay, so there are great wigs out there. There mm-hmm. are great, you know, caps. There are great things. But it's not just that. Everyone around me will behave different because they will see me, you know, mm-hmm. bold or they mm-hmm. will like 
you know, see that I have a wig or, you know, mm-hmm. everyone will cry just seeing my hair falling off and, and thing like that. So what do I do to remove the drama from that? So I decided to have a wig party and have everyone come in wigs and we would have like this competition oh, who I love has it. the coolest wig. Yeah. That's and really powerful because it's addressing the biggest fear in a way head on. The thing is, when you have breast cancer and when you're going through a challenge, whatever it is, breast cancer is just one of them, but you have more control over it than everyone else around you because you know what's going on. And especially if you're like myself, kind of look at the problem and narrow it down to the bits and pieces of it and put goals next to it, you're in control. Mm -hmm. Everyone around you, they are lost in what's happening Mm -hmm. to you. So for them the problem is much bigger than mm-hmm. it is for you. Interesting. So they wow. feel more grief. They feel more, you know, challenged. They they don't know because they don't have the knowledge. And mm-hmm. the, so knowledge is really mm-hmm. key here about mm-hmm. what you're going through and how you can, you know, overcome it. You want to make sure that others understand your narrative of mm-hmm. what's going on. Yes. And be okay with talking to you about it. Mm -hmm. And that's why also like having that wig party was a way to say, you know, hey guys, look at this. Yeah. It's me without hair. Now I have a wig. You guys are all walking around in a wig. Right. You're creating the, both the setting and the narrative for how you want to interact with that. So after that, it Mm -hmm. wasn't weird for people to talk about my hair or my wig or something. Like all my friends and family, they were all like, mm-hmm. you know, and colleagues, they were like, yay, cool mm-hmm. wig today. Mm-hmm. Because I had like all this a whole mm-hmm. setup of different colors and fun styles. Yeah. And, you That's know, great. I made it like a fun thing to have. And so then people were actually able to step toward you. Yeah. Right. Because I think yeah. this is something when people are facing enormous difficulty, like they're grieving the death of a loved one or something, there's always there's often a feeling that people don't know how to interact with that person who's going through the really hard thing. And sometimes the support actually starts to deteriorate just because people are so delicate that they don't know how to engage. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I did the same with when I lost my boob, I had all my girlfriends and my sisters and my mom, we did a uh, thank you for a long service kind of party Mm -hmm. for my boob, Mm -hmm. a boob party, boob farewell party. And everyone had like their bras outside their, you know, on their bodies. And we were like, oh my gosh, in the end, we had bras on our heads and everything. (laughs) And the party went crazy. But but the same thing there that, you know, uh, this was like, I had the party the day before the surgery. So Mm -hmm. I would like, you know, Mm -hmm. this would be the end of something and then going into something Well, you created a ceremony, a rite of passage in a way to acknowledge it. Exactly. So that was yet another thing that kind of helped to kind of be faced with that challenge. Of course, I mean, I'm saying all these things as if it was the easiest thing in the world. It was not. It was mm-hmm. really tough. It mm-hmm. was tough mm-hmm. to to lose your breast. You yes. know, that's like a, a big deal mm-hmm. in life. And then to also lose your hair, your femininity because it's not just it's not the hair in itself it's not the boob in itself but you lose a part of your womanhood so to speak yes Uh, and it's a huge dramatic and traumatic experience in life to do that so I did grieve it too Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did have you know my downs 
And that's really important mm-hmm. to emphasize that it's not just, you can look at your life and the challenges you're having and put them in these, you know, different bits and pieces and put goals next to how you're going to face them and, and, you know, thrive from them, which I did. But at the same time, you have to allow yourself to just fall down and mm-hmm. just be okay with all the shit that comes with it. And to be, feel it. To, to really feel it. In. Feel yeah. it all the way in. Yeah. And really let it, you know, like yeah. let the grief mm-hmm. come. And mm-hmm. uh, so I did that. I let myself just get all the emotions out and get mm-hmm. all of those things at the same time having, you know, these tools that I worked with, the, the, these, you know, ways of mm-hmm. handling all these challenges. So it was like a two-way thing for me, both, you know, acknowledging, accepting the grief and, and living through the grief at the same time as looking at it from a different perspective and, and facing the challenges and feeling the fear that comes from it, but doing it anyway, you know, kind of, that's one of my key, feel the fear and do it anyway, because it's like, if you don't feel the fear, mm-hmm then how will what you're accomplishing or what you're doing ever be something that's really changing your life? Well, I think the way fear often operates is it paralyzes people. So that's the part about the do it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like acknowledge what it is and then keep on. That's what I think that's a definition of courage. Adiba's strength of character and the wisdom she's learned throughout her remarkable life experiences is noteworthy. She's begun writing a book to share her hard-earned lessons. My book is called When Life Hands You Cactuses, Make Margaritas. I love it. And it's about my life journey all the way from, you know, being a child of war to facing metastatic breast cancer that I am doing now. And everything Mm -hmm. in between, all the adventures, all the crazy things and all the fun things, but also very challenging uh, journeys. It works through telling my story, but also with ingredients, my margarita recipe. Oh, it's the margarita mix. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the margarita mix. Yeah. And how do you, you know, face your challenges and how do you thrive from them? So it's basically the recipe is the ingredients. Can you walk us through what those are? For a couple of them, because I haven't written all of them yet. I have five of ten one of the ingredients is called change. Living life to the fullest is all you can really plan for. The other one is feel the fear and do it anyway. And then I have empowerment and how that can really drive you. Mm. How do you define empowerment? For me, empowerment is or how can you empower yourself by empowering others? Mm. So basically my whole career and my whole life I've been working with empowering others mm-hmm. in that way empowering myself too so is this like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of a theory yes or? because a lot of people ask me to be part of these billion dollar company you know startups mm-hmm. and uh, be part of that journey but I wanted to like do things I never really found that any of them would really like take me on this journey where empowerment was a key mm. So I wanted to work with things. That's why I've worked for nonprofits a lot in my life uh, or for you know, organizations or government agencies or others that are trying to make a change. Mm-hmm. 
because I wanted to like be part of that and empowering people to mm-hmm. go through, even if it's been within the startup and innovation mm-hmm. ecosystem, it's mm-hmm. been helping countries or, yeah. or companies to go farther thanks to the work that I've done. Yeah. Creating a better world at the end of the day, as opposed to just selling more products. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that has been what's been, you know, kind of driving me. Mm-hmm. So empowerment has been my driver. Mm-hmm. in life versus you know monetary things have not mm-hmm. otherwise I would have been super rich by now if I put in all the efforts and, mm-hmm. and ambitions and all mm-hmm. the drive I have and energy mm-hmm. into that instead of what I've done in my career but that's the thing the mm-hmm. money never drove me mm-hmm. <laughs> it never did how did you know what your life purpose is and does it keep evolving that's the key. It's been like that for me the whole time. It's like, how can I help others help themselves? Mm. Uh, and how can I be part of something bigger mm-hmm. than, you know, just selling a product or something? Yeah. You know, I, it strikes me that was the first lesson you described from your parents in yes. your childhood. Yes. So, about that cultivating resilience absolutely. within yourselves and then sharing that gift with others. With others. Sure. Yeah. But that's not said that I didn't like want to make good, you know, a good life for myself. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't mean that I didn't value what mm-hmm. I was bringing to the table all mm-hmm. the time. So mm-hmm. I've I've definitely been, you know, paid for my <laughs> services, mm-hmm. so to speak. But uh, and really, you know, been valued for what I'm bringing to the table. So even if you work within nonprofits yeah. or other things, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you're you know, volunteering your time. Right. And that's a very important narrative, especially for women. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the uh, understanding the importance for our own self-agency and autonomy mm-hmm. to have the financial background or, you know, to, to actually uh, ask for what we deserve and, exactly. and be sustainable because this is a, a exactly. huge challenge for a lot of women, especially. Yeah. And, and don't forget that I also said, you know, I want to be independent. I want to exactly. be the one that's, you know, mm-hmm. so for me, it's always been that I can make it myself. And so I've built a very good life mm-hmm. for myself, mm-hmm. for the people in my life at the point, mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And so even if I've chosen to always work with things that drive for a better world, to drive for a better change, doesn't mean that I didn't, you know, also get a lot out of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, because I I believe it's really important that you also have your own agenda in things Mm -hmm. and not just you know even if you're working for a bigger picture Mm -hmm. what do you want with your life and yourself and where do you want to go with Mm -hmm. things so I did make a great career out Mm -hmm. of it and landed me you know I've, I've had two businesses myself where I was working with these type of services towards governments and other which were very lucrative in Mm -hmm. itself too but at the same time it went back to helping and and empowering right as well as you know uh climbing that career ladder and and becoming a ceo for something bigger Mm -hmm. something that really drives change so that has been um part of my life as well to kind of be able to to do that um I think everyone should ask themselves, you know, what drives you? Mm-hmm. What is it really that drives you? Because I think a lot of people get stuck in uh, the nitty gritty of things or like think that a driver for them is, is something 
other than what it really is, mm. you know. So like just we, approval of others being a driver, like a false driver, or something right? Like or, that. or just like you know, oh, I'm going to take that job, and I'm going to my driver is to become the manager of this or the director yeah. of that, something about something. titles or yeah, yeah, it could mm-hmm. be title, it could be money, it could mm-hmm. be you know material things or whatever. But if we really look into ourselves and say, okay what is it that really drives me? Mm -hmm. Then you can find your life's purpose and find what really will make you happy. Mm. I can tell you it's really amazing, but I have not had one single day in my life where I say, man, why, why am I doing this stupid job? Or, you know, I've always loved what I do because Mm -hmm. I've been going after this. Mm This is what has been motivating me mm-hmm. to take on a job. I always mm-hmm. ask myself, is mm-hmm. this something that will, are my driver, drivers mm-hmm. part of this? Mm-hmm. Will I really, you know, do I feel the passion for this? Do I feel the hunger for this? Do mm-hmm. I, you know, because if you don't, then you get stuck in a cycle that's not mm-hmm. good for you. And right. you get stuck in a job that you don't really, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. you're, you're not really motivated mm-hmm. in the right way. And so a lot of people, I think, are think they're motivated by money or material things or just mm-hmm. climbing that ladder or, or just like the title and stuff like that. When in, in reality, if they would really look into themselves mm-hmm. and ask themselves, what is it that drives me? They might have to do something completely different mm-hmm. or they can do something you know, besides the job, they can do something else that will give them that purpose in life. And having that is so liberating. And it's so, for me, when I got sick again, and I couldn't work with what I love working with, it broke my heart. Mm. Because it wasn't just a job. Mm -hmm. It was my whole life. Yeah. Yep. And I had to step away from it. And that was Oh, so heartbreaking. I mean, I can't even mm. explain how heartbreaking mm. it was because it's just, that was a huge grief in my life mm-hmm. that I had to say goodbye to that part of my life and that person really, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I built up an identity around right. that, who right. I was and what I've been doing and all of that. So how did you find your way through that? That goes back to another one of my ingredients uh, which is uh, change, and how do you deal with change mm-hmm. like that? And how do you make sure that you come back to living your life, even though this huge change? And again, mm-hmm. I've been through so many changes in my life yes. where I have to like start all over again, mm-hmm. or, like build something new again. So I decided to look at. And again, it took it took me probably a year to get to that point. But when I got sick again and had to go on actual long-term disability leave mm-hmm. and leave the job that I love so much and the mm-hmm. career that I have built for myself for mm-hmm. two decades, it, it was heartbreaking. And I decided to look at, okay, so what do I, what do I, again, look at what do I have? What can I do? How much energy do I have? Because why I couldn't work anymore was because I, as a CEO, you work very, very, very hard. Yeah. And being a cancer patient Mm -hmm. and going through treatments every Mm -hmm. single day, Mm -hmm. 
it's really hard to combine those two. Yeah. Yep. Uh, with all the side effects I have from the treatments, with lack of energy, mm-hmm. with all of that. So I was limited, mm-hmm. limited in how much I can do, mm-hmm. uh, limited in, in how much effort I can put in. Right. But I was not completely off right. the, you know, I can yes. still do things. Well, and this is the challenge, not to belittle the illness part of it, but this challenge of having more limited capacity is something a lot of mothers go through. That's a huge life sea change mm-hmm. because so much of your life force is going into, you know, care of the, the children in those mm-hmm. cases. And so it, uh, it can be a, a path to a lot of women feeling very disconnected from their sense of purpose and self. And yes. it can lead to a lot of depression actually, Absolutely. and very kind of feeling lost and isolated. Oh, um, absolutely. So, yeah. I had this, for me, it was an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. It was a depression of, mm-hmm. you know, who am I? What am I going to do? My whole life has changed mm-hmm. into like, I thought I again mm-hmm. knew what was mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And I decided to look at again. So what is it I have? How much energy and effort do I have to put into this? Mm-hmm. What is, again, my life purpose has to change in mm-hmm. a way, but still be connected to the empowerment part. You know, mm-hmm. how do I keep that part mm-hmm. of who I am, but put it into something else? So I decided, okay, I have all this knowledge, all this experience mm-hmm. from my work. What if I put that into something? So I'm just going to do a board assignments. And I will take on board assignments for things that are, you know, organizations that are doing good things Mm -hmm. or companies that are uh, developing new cancer treatments Mm -hmm. or developing good uh, quality of life tools or Mm -hmm. solutions for cancer patients like myself. Something that still connects me to my previous career and Mm -hmm. previous life. So I did take on a board assignment, but I also um, became the chair of that board after, you know, two years I became the chair. You know, with that, I'm like doing a lot of fun with my previous life. I'm sort of connected to Silicon Valley and what's going on in the tech Mm -hmm. industry and all of that. So I still got to like Mm -hmm. have something left from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was one part of it to still have a connection to my old life, but through a board assignment. Mm -hmm. And being the chair gave Mm -hmm. me still kind of that, I can still work, you know, on that level. Adiba shared with me how she got through the horrendous chemotherapy protocol by weaving in hope, novel experiences, and a joy for living. She fought through the cancer and made good on her ambitious dream to come to the United States, where she found love and together with her new husband was ready to embark upon fulfilling her lifelong goal of becoming a mother. Alas, her dream was again postponed by the recurrence of cancer, this time the dreaded life-threatening stage four metastatic cancer. But remarkably, she bounces back not only to fight the cancer growth, but to overcome infertility. How did you keep hope alive? when you were told three to So hope years. is another one of those ingredients that mm-hmm. I have as a mar- in the margarita recipe. Hope is probably one of my strongest 
character traits? This, yeah, that's one of the key things in my life that lets me live on the way I do mm-hmm. and live life to the fullest the way I do is because I never give up hope. And even though I've had many reasons to mm-hmm. do that. From day one and yes. way kind of onward. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, getting one thing after the other hit by, you know, mm-hmm. this and that. I never gave up hope. Mm. Hope that life will look up. I will mm-hmm. survive this. Mm-hmm. Survival, you know, I will have a child at some point, <laughs> one way or another. Yeah. I will have a good, wonderful, loving relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will, you know, succeed with this wow. and that. And, and now that. these things are coming through because exactly. you set forth the narrative. So you have a, a baby coming soon, right? Yes. Be a surrogate. Me and my husband decided that, yeah, that let's the embryos that we managed to get out, mm-hmm. we got three embryos out mm-hmm. before I started my treatments. Let's use those to find wow. a surrogate and find someone that can carry our child. So we decided to do that. It took about two years to get to where we are today. But wow. now we are 28 weeks pregnant. And we're expecting our son wow. end of October. So, so exciting. Over the moon happy. Yeah. And again, I didn't give up hope. And yeah. we're there. And mm. we only had like this 7% chance that the embryos would work. And I only had three to work with. Wow. And we put in two. And it worked. And oh it's gosh. amazing. And we can't hardly believe that it's true. I mean. The legacy of survival <laughs> continues. Yeah. yeah. And, and that it's yeah. actually happening. And wow. again, you know, kind of don't give up hope. Change is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it can Embrace actually it. lead to yeah. amazing things. Wow. You know, accept what's happening. Acknowledge it. Feel the fear of it. And keep going. Mm. And keep fighting for what you want and keep living your life because that's that's been you know my mantra the whole time is if I just give up to this disease Mm -hmm. then I don't have a life anymore yeah it just Uh, it strikes me throughout all of these stories you've told it's like you've never taken on the mantra that you're a victim of your life yeah it's you're the you're the hero of your life you're the protagonist actor Yeah, uh, of your life. And it's I'm really... in control. I'm not yeah. going to let the cancer control me. Or the war. Or the war. Or the, or the, you know, you know. the cultural <laughs> norms or, yeah. any, of those or any of those things yeah. that have been, and, you know, and not being able to have a child and all that. So, because to be honest, in all of this, the biggest grief I had was not being able to have a child. So mm-hmm. now it's like since I started when I was 25 years old to try to have a child, and I'm turning 41 this year. This is a long journey. It's been journey. a long journey. Very long journey. A lot of grieving for not yeah. being able to have a child. I can't wait to meet him. And so <laughs> coming to wow. this point now, it's like that's the biggest dream of my life coming true. Mm. And mm. yeah, we're also, wow. it's, it's so exciting and wow. Yeah, I can't hardly explain how it feels mm. because I don't think it it can be explained. No, it's right. Too big. Yeah, <laughs> too too much. Yeah, to even wow. explain what it means. But wow. um, so I believe strongly in the human capacity of 
being able to find that inner strength in yourself to really like, you know, find it, grasp it, let it be with you and, and let it guide you throughout any journey you have in life. And look at the challenge, not just for how big it is or how horrific it is or anything, but look at it from, okay, this happened in my life. It's horrible. It sucks. And I'm, hate it and you know it's not fair and all these things and grieve for it but also look at it take it and put it down into pieces and find your way of handling it step by step goal by goal and you'll be able to overcome even that challenge wow so I think there are there are many ways to work with things but I think one of the biggest or the toughest things I've gone through is death anxiety because when you face a life-threatening disease it's hard not to think about dying absolutely and it's hard not to feel anxiety for dying so I had several months where I had real tough death anxiety and that was really challenging in the Death anxiety was not just for myself dying, but mm-hmm. for everyone around me that mm-hmm. would have to yeah, grieve that. Mm-hmm. And especially our child. Yes. Our unborn child. So I had to work with that. What and have you come to now as the narrative that helps you? So I actually went to a therapist because I felt like this is bigger than I can deal with Mm -hmm. myself even Mm -hmm. with all the tools I have Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to talk to a professional about this and how do I handle that Mm -hmm. anxiety because I could really like wake up in the middle of the night and just like have this you know anxiety feeling in my body like almost panicking about dying and panicking about that I'm having a child that will be you know have a mom that eventually well I will die from this it's mm-hmm. you know no yeah. one survives stage mm-hmm. four breast cancer right. I can live long with it but right. eventually I will die from right. it we know that and it's the unknown and it's the not knowing am I dying you know next year three years from now five years from now ten mm-hmm. years from now or you know because in three months from now I could have a tumor in my brain in a spot mm-hmm. that they can't take care of and that's it mm-hmm. or it could have the treatment stops working and the tumors are all over the place and we can't do anything about it so there's always that you know it will be there but again feel the fear for it acknowledge that it's there and look at it in a way and the death anxiety is like okay it's there it's going to happen but how do I not let it take over, mm-hmm. you know, take over mm-hmm. my life? And the therapist helped me with, she gave me a tool there that, again, it was very much what I've been working with before, but she gave me even more so. She said, take this death anxiety, put it in a box and say, whenever it comes up, mm-hmm. say, yeah, I know you're there. You know, I acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. I understand why you're there. And all of that, but I really don't want to deal with you. 
you know, I don't want you to take over my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put you in this box mm-hmm. and I'll close this box and I'll lock it. And I'll put you on the shelf. Sometimes you will come out, but mm-hmm. I want you to stay on the shelf and, you know, not intrude into my life. And like visualize that mm-hmm. part, like visualize. Taking the power life. out of it, making yeah. it as small as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that has helped me a lot. That's a great. Uh, and every time it was pops up, mm-hmm. I, you know, have this exercise and kind of putting it there and putting mm-hmm. it on the shelf and mm-hmm. I know that it's there because it's always going to be there. I can't get away from that. If you have a life-threatening disease, it's always going to be there. Yes. But you have to be able to live with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to not let it take over your life because if you do, then you can't live. Yeah, you've already died. If I've you already died. To that. Yeah, if so any of us do. Exactly. Of course, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. Yeah. So if we're going to think right. about dying instead of living, yeah. then we've already died and we're mm-hmm. not living at all. Yeah. So that's, you know, my 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 key mantra in life is to just keep living and keep appreciating all the things in life that, I mean, I do so much fun things in my life. I do things that every year I take on like this new thing that I've wanted to do for a long time, but never had time to oh, do or something. And uh, like last year, riding horses was really like, of that fun so I joined this this um stables where I rode horses for a year and then this year I uh, took song lessons beautiful I loved singing when I was young and and I kind of missed that so I took song lessons to start so I will with that I will uh join some kind of uh group or like choir or some not church choir but like Mm -hmm. to sing you know because I love singing yeah so I'll do that and, you know, who knows next year what I'll do. Yeah. But yeah, so my key things now is my life purpose now is to keep living like that. Obviously, we have this baby coming, so that's going to take up a lot of my life's purpose to make sure that this child grows and has the most amazing life uh, mm-hmm. with us. And all the love in the world, which yes. is not hard to give. Not at I all. Already have all the love in the world for him. But imparting um, these lessons of wisdom, right, is going to be a big part of it. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, my advocacy work, where we're working a lot with. Um, so I'm on the board of the Susan G. Cohen Breast Cancer Foundation here in San Francisco, but I'm also part of the advocacy team for the whole Susan G. Cohen Foundation. And what we do is is making sure that, first of all, everyone should have right to the best treatments out there, no matter how much money you have or not, no matter how good of an insurance you have. So we managed to get some really good bills through through Congress and Senate. Uh, Actually, a bill just came through now uh, that we're super excited about. And then the awareness around stage four metastatic breast cancer is also a big part of my advocacy work. So we're doing a conference now for the metastatic community on October 13th. And, you know, so I keep kind of working with both the advocacy work and and all the work around the breast cancer community, Uh, but also going back to, you know, my old career, so to speak, and continuing being part of that and supporting the tech startup ecosystem uh, innovation ecosystem 
And then, of course, my, my life, I travel a lot with uh, family and friends. Wonderful. Yeah, that's like I decided when I got sick and on uh, leave that I will spend as much time as I can with my family and friends and with the close Such people. Beautiful lessons for yeah. how, to, how to thrive for all of, for all of us, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just look within and mm-hmm. kind of follow that, mm-hmm. you know. We do that too little. We just keep going, 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 going yeah. without really looking within or like really understanding what will make us happy. That's exactly why I'm wanting to do this podcast yeah. is to share more of that so that we're all living from that deepest yeah. truth within ourselves and that alignment to how how we spend our time. So Absolutely. I'm so honored that you took all this time to share oh, your story. I'm so touched by it and Thank cannot for- wait to share it with our audience of listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of Life Revealed. Adiba's story has so many themes that have inspired me. She has shared insightful tools for helping us through the most challenging passages of our lives. To learn more, visit liferevealed.com. And thanks again for tuning in.